This podcast is part of the Podcast Arcade Network. Welcome to the You Choose Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Please take a moment, pause this podcast right now, and share it with someone you think would find this podcast interesting. We would really appreciate it. Please go to youchoosepodcast.com. That's the letter U, choosepodcast.com, and find the different ways that you can connect with us and how you can be part of the live event. And without further ado, let's get into the adventure you choose. Hello, we are live, Eddie, and raring to go. uh, What does uh, Captain Kirk say? Captain Kirk, (laughs) he says, (laughs) (laughs) That's true. He's a fighter or a lover. Jean-Luc Picard says, Engage. Engage. (laughs) We're ready to engage. That's what I'm going to do with all the listeners and viewers. I'm going to engage them with hugs and and high fives. High fives. Well, in a positive way, though, I guess if it wasn't for COVID, we wouldn't have started this podcast. That's true. Because this was a one-off. This was going to be a one-time thing that we did. Well, we weren't even going to do it. We weren't even going to do it live, but we thought, hey, maybe we could do this virtually because of COVID. And then, boom, podcast just kept going. So, hey. You know, 2020, hold on to your urine. <laughs> it created something good. Right. Uh, we are doing a Star Trek Which Way book tonight because we thought we'd mix yeah. it up a little bit. Well, I just, Justin just stopped in to say hi. He's got to go back to work. Listen, Justin, I don't want to hear any excuses. You've got to ride or die <laughs> with us, baby. Leave us in the background. By the way, look at the price tag on this book back in the day. That whole book was a dollar. A dollar, yeah. Uh, well, times are changing. Times have changed since 1982 or whenever this came out. So, two. Well, uh, this is Star Trek Two. That would have been Wrath of Khan. Like I think it might have been 82 or 81. I don't remember, but yeah. Anyway, anyway. But like we said let's... before, uh, like, comment, share, share this with your friends so we can get more people choosing their own adventures. Yes. Let's get going, buddy. Definitely. So, if you don't know, we get to a choice. Just type it in the chat there, and we will go where you want us to go. Okay, so the book came out in 82, but I think the movie might have been earlier, but I'm not sure. So anyway. And yeah, we are your humble servants. We are we are the dungeon masters, if you will, of this adventure. <laughs> We're just going along for the ride. Uh, you're the ones who choose your adventure. 1980. Come <laughs> I did that last uh, week, two weeks ago, and I blew out my vocal cords. Can't yeah, do can't can't do that again. We got we got things no. to do soon. So, all right. So I'll get started, Eddie, and then uh, you take over from there. Yeah. So the USS Enterprise on routine patrol has received a distress call from the vicinity of Varda Three, and we are responding as inter- interplanetary law requires. Admiral James T. Kirk, commanding. Mister Spock, yes, Captain. The lean, dark science officer turned toward the commander and raised his pointed eyebrows. What do we know of this Varda 3, Kirk asked, knowing that the Vulcan would have retrieved the information from the ship's computer once a distress call had been received, an Earth-type planet within five points of Terran norm, Spock said. It is believed to have been the base for a race of space-traveling humanoids now thought extinct. The call could only have come... What's that? And Kirk's like, that means nothing to me. I don't can care. I kiss him? Can I kiss or him or can punch, I punch him? 
<laughs> what do I do? That's all I care about. Do I kiss uh, a man, punch him? At the same <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. The call could only have come from an archaeological team from Luna University who are conducting a dig there. Kirk frowned and rubbed his jaw. Pretty far out, aren't they? Not mm. unusual for such research teams, Spock responded. Page two. Lieutenant Uhura, keep trying to raise them, Kirk said. Aye, sir, but their fading call indicated either a power failure, she hesitated, or interference. Ooh. Kirk thumbed his command intercom. Lieutenant Commander Chekhov to the bridge. In a few moments, the elevator door hissed open, and Pavel Chekhov walked into Kirk's position. Captain, this is the captain, he said Kipton. briskly. Captain, Captain, Captain. Kipton, it's going to become our, our, oh, our yeah. battle cry. Kipton. Kip, Mr. Kip, Chekhov, Kipton. prepare a team of six security men and a medical assistant for Planet Fall in, he looked at the clock, two hours. Kirk looked at Spock. Any precautionary needs or any precautions needed? Spock shook his head. No, Captain. At least none are indicated. His eyebrow went up. But I should point out that there must be some reason for the distress call. Kirk nodded and gestured at Chekhov. Go, arm, go armed and alert and keep in touch. Yes, Captain. The young officer replied. He That's turned briskly and oh. <laughs> cracks his knuckles. My fists thirst for blood. <laughs> <laughs> the young officer replied. He turned briskly and strode into the elevator. He did not smile until the door had closed behind him. Then a happy smile broke across his face. Action, he thought. My own command on an unknown planet. Here's our choices. If you follow Chekhov directly to the surface of Varda 3, turn to page 3. If you first reconnoiter, this is the word I struggled with, reconnoiter the planet, turn to page 4. Yeah. (laughs) My grandma had a reconnoiter on her neck. Yeah, I got lanced. <laughs> got it. Got it. Lasered off. Um. So yeah, uh, people who normally uh, follow our show, we have done typically the choose your own adventure books, but we thought we'd mix it up a little bit and start bringing in some other of that same kind of uh, genre, but from the other, the yeah. other you know options out there. These are basically copies of choose your own adventure, just using different properties from the eighties, but still all the same fun. Yeah. Right. Al says, slap that red shirt and follow. That right. crazy cool Russian. <laughs> Got my red shirt on. I'm like, do I kill myself now? Is it now? Now or, or later? How about now? Oh, I wait. I wait. Okay, good. Oh, okay. Well, last time we went to page three. So as if you've been following us, you know that when we go through the, through these through a second time, we usually go in a different direction, just like you would do when you were a kid. Right. We're not going to just do the same exact choice again, especially to start. No. So so we'll go to page four. Four. Here we go. That's you, Eddie. Chekhov assembled a team of red-clad security men and a combat <laughs> nurse. All Imagine ready. that. We're in, the, we're in the future, and it's already sexist as the day is long. It's uh, killing me here. Why can't there be security ladies? This is too much. Well, they're all going to die because they all have red shirts on. That's funny how even in the book they follow that. <laughs> red-shirted, soon-to-be-dead. Narva Mokhtar, a slim and attractive medic from Liberia, United States of Africa, Earth. He hustled them aboard the shuttlecraft, and they soon dropped away from the orbiting Enterprise and began circling the planet. 
Two small moons, reported Narva. Varda's gravity is 0.8 of Earth's, so we'll be a little light. Then Chekhov ate another pork sandwich because he's like, <laughs> doesn't count on this planet, baby. Oh, yeah. Calories don't count. The shuttlecraft spiraled closer to the surface as Chekhov watched through telescopic sensors. Rather an arid planet, he said. Deserts with strips of green along the many oceans. Although they listened, listened carefully, they heard no further messages on the interplanetary distress channel. We'll go lower and see if we can spot anything, Chekhov reported to the Enterprise Bridge. There are intermittent life form readings in Sector 12 West, Mr. Spock told the landing party by radio. Radio? What? 24th century, get out of here. Come on. I, sir, will investigate. The shuttlecraft flew in low over the bleak hills of the western desert, then came upon the green coastal, coastal strip. I got ghosts on my brain Whoa. with paranormal dad. That's right. Narva pointed out the overgrown ruins of some kind of ancient structures ahead, and the shuttle was set down in a clearing. The security men leaped from the ship like the Whoa. Russian acrobats that they are. <laughs> And immediately set up a defensive perimeter, their phasers at the ready. One guy killed someone just for the heck of it. (laughs) (laughs) Leaving two men. One guy started punching himself to show how tough he was. (laughs) Leaving two men to guard the vessel. Chekhov took four men and Narva toward the low buildings they had saw ahead. The jungle around them was different from anything Chekhov had seen before. The plants were like soft cactus built to soak up and retain all the moisture they could. They were short, fat, tendril-like plants that moved sluggishly, weaving through the the Terran intruders. The landing party broke through the jungle into an area that had been cleared by phasers and saw before them the partially unearthed archaeological site. Nearby was a cluster of inflated domes and the usual tools and necessities of an archaeological dig. But before them was a series of star-shaped buildings, tier rising upon tier, made of shaped stone and with an entrance at each inner joining of the triangular sections. Narva held up her tricorder so that Chekhov could read it. It was unfortunate that Chekhov was illiterate and couldn't (laughs) read read anything. (laughs) I never learned to to read. read! Some kind of life form readings in that building, she pointed out. Chekhov nodded and flipped open his communicator to report in. If you go directly into the star-shaped building, turn to page 8. If you decide to investigate further before entering, go to page 10. All right. To enter or to not enter. That is the question. Al made a good point. That nurse is about to be in over her head. Ooh. She is. Eight dead red shirts. Just too many. (laughs) So many red shirts. So much red. You know where the shirts are red, right? Yeah. So it hides the blood. They can't see you bleed. (laughs) Oh, Al says to investigate further. Hmm. So he says page 10. Garrison's playing it a little safe. That's kind of weird. Got two votes for investigate further. Page 10. Oh, Carolyn and Kim both investigate further. So far, investigating further seems to be the. Being the lone. Good old reckless Ricky. Go in. Just go in. Good old wreck wreck it, Ricky. Wreck it, Ricky. I'm gonna smash uh, it. I'm gonna smash it. Um, I'm gonna wreck it. So, barring another vote or two here, we can 
investigate further. Mainly investigate, I think. We're playing it safe tonight, Eddie. You know? Oh, we got two go-ins. We two got, go we got some. Oh. We got so we three got... investigates and two go-ins. So two we got to maybe give it another few seconds here and see what happens. Is Star Trek Two your favorite Rathacon, do you think, out of the original series? Uh, of the original series movies? Yeah. yeah. Whoo, that's a toughie because I have a soft spot for Star Trek Four. You do Voyage Home. They go, they go when they get the whales. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. do. I do. I do, I do too. I but. have a soft spot. I mean, my favorite, like pound for pound, is probably honestly two because um, isn't that the same one where Kirk is like dealing with getting older? A little bit, but the... he has the glasses. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. Yeah, I like the themes in that one quite a bit. Um, yeah. I'm a sucker for all those Star Trek movies, man. Uh, two probably very close margins. My favorite, though, by far. It's a great story. It is the whole idea of bringing a character back from a TV series into a movie. I mean, and you can't Dude. go wrong with Ricardo. I mean, Montalban. Montalban. The thing okay. is, I mean, the notion of taking Star Trek from the TV up to the movies. I don't know if that had been done yet. You know, I like think, I mean, yeah, you might be right. I'd have to look into that, but yeah. I mean, that'd be interesting to talk about, but I, I'm yeah. fairly confident in saying that's one of the few times they've had like a franchise where they were like, you watched it on your TV. Now yeah. you're going to go pay us some money and sit in the popcorns and do that. Um, let's see here. We got go in, go in. I think, uh, I think investigate further wins. Investigate further barely wins. So here we go. All right. We're going to eight and Carolyn's right. Earworms for the win. That torture seat. Check off. Oh, Chekhov. yeah. He's like, Kipton, Kipton. <laughs> yeah. He's dropping the. Poor Chekhov. Man, what did he do to anybody? I know. Come on. Kipton. Poor guy. All right. Kipton. <laughs> Chekhov's that eyes. That creeped me out as a kid. It, did I give you nightmares, Eddie? Ooh, ooh it did. <laughs> I saw bugs like that. I just ran the other way. Like, Keep checking ears your up. ears before you go to bed. <laughs> exactly. Chekhov's eyes slowly adjust to the dim interior of the ancient structure. On the walls of the passage were carved murals of humanoids and strange beings, which may have been animals or aliens. They proceed cautiously. It's interesting. Animals or aliens. If you're on an alien planet, isn't everything an alien? Oh, there's Lee getting right. I'm going to put in that hashtag. Everything's an alien. Everything's an alien on an alien planet. They proceed cautiously, their flashlight beams probing every nook and cranny. It was cool, but not cold. The air dry and faintly scented. Chekhov flipped open his communicator. Chekhov to bridge. Bridge here, Captain Kirk responded. What have you found? Nothing yet, Captain. Just some murals and... Suddenly, the floor seemed to, the floor seemed to drop away. Narva screamed, and the lights of the security men went out as they plunged into darkness. Oh, there we go. Red shirt's gone. Yep. On the bridge of the Enterprise, Captain Kirk called out Chekhov's name several times, then stood up from his command chair. Mr. Spock, order Dr. McCoy to meet me at the transporter room. I want a fully armed security team as well. Yes, Captain, Spock said. May I point out, sir, that you may have need for a science officer. Kirk grinned at him. That's a good that's as good and as an excuse for getting into the action as any, Spock. Come along, Mr. Sulu. You have the con. Aye, sir, Sulu said, moving to the captain's chair. 
At the transporter facility, Captain Kirk assembled three team members or teams of armed security men. Dr. McCoy, you will take team one. Mr. Spock, you will command team two, and I'll take team three. We will land in the areas I have selected and proceed to investigate. Dr. Leonard McCoy's face bunched up in annoyance. Jim, I'm not a command officer. Let me... Bones, they may need your help. Rely on Lieutenant Castroia. Kirk briskly stepped toward the transport disc. Let's go, everyone. All right, we've got three. Count them, three choices this time. So... Here you go. If you choose to follow Dr. McCoy and Team 1, go to page 18. If you choose to follow Spock, go to page 19. If you select Kirk's team, go to page 21. So McCoy, the classic Spock, or conundrum. Kirk. I know. Do you follow the heart? The heart that is Dr. McCoy. He's all heart, that Dr. McCoy. <laughs> Do you follow the mind? Actually, I rephrased this. The mind of Spock and Kirk. He's all heart. McCoy's all spirit. There you go. Soul. Yeah. <laughs> I like McCoy's pissed. bitter, bitter vinegar. <laughs> <laughs> Pissing vinegar on McCoy. Bitter, bitter vinegar for McCoy. <laughs> yeah, he's like drinks it every day before he gets up. Ah, I love this stuff. <laughs> Start every day with a good swig of white vinegar and get a good scowl on my face. Makes me feel alive. <laughs> that's what that's what Al does, by the way, to maintain his permanent like. For a <laughs> hard swig of vinegar in the morning. Well, Ricky chimed in right away for Spock, so she's a Spock fan, evidently. Al says McCoy. Yeah. Amanda says Spock. So we've got two Spocks. So two Spock Spocks is ahead. McCoy. This is like paper, rock, scissors almost. I know. Oh, another oh, McCoy yep. from Kim. Wow. So we have three Spocks and two McCoys. I'll trade you a Spock for a McCoy. No one's voting for Kirk, man. No, See, nobody wants Kirk. Kirk. There's some Kirk hatred going on. Wow, Kirk shade. Hashtag plus Kirk we got, shade. Plus we got Amanda calling out Kim, voting with her husband. <laughs> House Garrison. Ooh, House Garrison is strong tonight. All right. So it looks like we got a McCoy win here, right? Or no, a Spock yeah. win. Spock win by, by one. Guess what time it is, kids? It's Spock o'clock. We're going to do this right now. <laughs> So that is page 19. 19 it is. Here we go, kids. Everybody strap in. It's going to be a fun time. Spock never disappoints. We're headed to warp nine. Here we go. Spock's eyes narrowed as he plunged into a hateful rage and strangled Kirk to death with his bare hands. (laughs) Right there in the transport. Right there on the the floor. (laughs) Yeah. Spock's eyes narrowed and McCoy watched it all happen. (laughs) It cheered him on. Cheered him on. Do it. I'm sick of him. Spock's eyes narrowed as he watched the advanced scout enter the crumbling entrance. Logic told him that he was a highly trained officer whose experience was valuable to Starfleet and to the Enterprise, as well as to his friend, Jim Kirk. Leaving out McCoy there. Dang. Ooh, wow. But still, he wished it were he who led the party into the Varden structure. He hated to endanger any person, human or Vulcan. The scout signaled that it was safe, which Spock knew to be a lie, <laughs> to be a relative <laughs> term. His team advanced and entered the passageway. Just before entering, Spock signaled the Enterprise of their action. Which of these passages did Commander Chekhov use? One of the security men asked Spock as they edged along the dark passage. Unknown, Spock responded. 
and equally unknown what was what was what had happened. There was so little information that even the Vulcan officer could not arrive at any logical conclusions. Sir, the advanced scout called out. We're coming to some kind of large room. Careful, Spock ordered. He and his team edged closer and found a vast space, artificially created, which plunged into darkness below them. Their flashlight beams failed to reach the bottom, but they were able to reveal the piles of dead security people. (laughs) (laughs) Shockingly (laughs) dressed in red shirts. (laughs) Uh, But revealed glints and glimmers of something down there. Turn to page 20. Spock noticed a wide, worn staircase that went down the side of the immense, steep-sided space. It was too big to be called a room. What else would you call it? So, so, it's too big to be a, called a room. A so we have to call it a country. <laughs> <laughs> this is the land of Spockania, and I am its king. But it was not one of nature's caverns, unless someone or something had artificially hmm. smoothed the sides. Faintly, they heard distant scuttlings and a low moan. Proceed, Spock said stoically. He flipped open his communicator, but there was too much interference this deep inside the strange star-shaped building. Spock closed the communicator and put it away. They were on their own. Own. Ooh. Turn to page 31. Lee, you want to take this one? Okay. You like the word scuttling? Scuttling. We need to scuttle a little more. Scuttle a little more, yeah. 31. Spock directed his team down the wide staircase, their flashes probing the mysterious depths in vain. Their footsteps echoed on the stone. Then the lead security man hissed a warning, his light pointing toward the steps. They all stopped. Yeah, He's a cat. He's a cat guy. <laughs> I'm a cat guy. I got eight cats at home. Ooh. <laughs> they all... Yeah. Crazy cat guy. He Crazy smells like guy. me all the time. <laughs> They all stopped. They all stopped. Hearts pounding as they heard a scrambling of something sharp on the stone. A pair of eyes glittered in the darkness farther down the stairs, circling the huge room, and a, and the man in front aimed his phaser. No, Ooh. Spock snapped. The security man hesitated, frightened at the unknown. That's an Orwellian rat, Spock said. It has a distinctive set of light refractive eyes. But sir, the security man said, Orwell four is. 20 light years from here you are correct sergeant but it undoubtedly came with the archaeological archaeological team rats i regret to say have accompanied the human species wherever it has gone a nearby security man grinned managed to grin in on vulcans and on vulcan sir spock looked at him and raised an eyebrow since they serve no purpose on vulcan ecology it would not be logical to permit them the chastened, chastened crewman nodded as the rat scurried away into the darkness. They proceeded cautiously. That H-50. means they done killed all the rats on Vulcan. That's what hey, they he's just a, did. He's a rat killer. Come You're on. You're a rat hater. Gosh. Hashtag hate rats. Spock and his men were nearing the bottom of the vast pit. They had circled the walls of the pit several times as they went down. From time to time, they heard noises above, and there were still noises below. Proceed cautiously, Spock ordered. Soon, they were only a few feet from the floor, and their lights revealed a strange sight. Spock pulled out his communicator and flipped it open. Captain Kirk, what is it, Spock? Where are you? Kirk's voice came scratchily 
from the communicator speaker at the bottom of a great central pit, Captain. There is something here you must see. Coming, Spock. Kirk out. Here we go. Two choices. If you want to have Kirk join up with Spock, turn to page 66. If you want McCoy to join with Spock, turn to page 67. Hmm. So now it's just Kirk and Spock. Or Kirk and McCoy, excuse me. I am getting the hashtag going. Uh, hashtag uh, twerk out with your Kirk out. <laughs> <laughs> twerk out with your Kirk out. That's awesome. Oh, Amanda, right away is uh, McCoy. And Kim said McCoy. So wow, some Kirk hate, some some Kirk hate going on here. Oh, Al's wondering what the choice. Okay, the choice is: Do we have Kirk come with us, or do we have McCoy come with us? Wow, Carolyn, Ricky, man, it's all McCoy. <laughs> Just coming in strong with McCoy. Wow, the Hatfields would um, be very upset. I mean, he's like, sir, we're in a pit I've never seen before. What kind of pit is it? It's a mosh pit, sir. <laughs> I don't playing. Do. I'm a doctor, not a mosh pit. <laughs> <laughs> not, not a mosh pit. Yes, you are. It is a unanimous McCoy. Wow, has that ever happened? I don't know. Maybe. I don't think I've ever had that happen. That's, that, that's a first on this one. First time on the YouTube's podcast, unanimous. 67, especially when it's McCoy. Come on, I'm not a I'm not a commander, I'm a doctor. 67. I'm not a, I'm not a mosh pit person. 67? 67. Yells of surprise and pain echoed through the dark passages of the alien building. Dust choked the air and bodies thrashed about. That's a bad that's a bad intro right there. <laughs> <laughs> McCoy's hand found a light and switched it back on, swinging it around his position in an attempt to discover what had happened. The first face he saw was that of Lieutenant Commander Pavel Chekhov. That's a lot of words. That is. Chekhov, what are you doing here? McCoy demanded angrily. Chekhov grinned sheepishly. Sorry, sir. We fell through some kind of trap. Or maybe the stone had just rotted away. We were. Stone doesn't rot. Get out of here. Come on, Chekhov. I don't know what what you do over there in Russia, but. We were lost, and he grunted as he climbed to his feet. Around him, others were getting up and dusting themselves off. We couldn't go back, so we kept going, Chekhov said. We climbed, and then, again, the floor just collapsed. And here we are, Doctor. Are you hurt? Are any of you hurt? McCoy went quickly from person to person. He set a broken arm and shielded it with inflated tubes of plastic holding the arm rigidly. He injected two others against infection from cuts, then got all the team members to their feet. I don't like this place, McCoy grumbled. Let's just, let's find Jim and the scientists and get out of here. In a few moments, they came out on a ledge surrounding a vast pit-like room. Far below, they heard voices, human voices. Chekhov heard his name mentioned and realized it was Kipton Kirk. Kipton. <laughs> Turn to page 107. Here we go. 107. So they're in this giant pit, right? Yep. Okay. Everybody's in a pit. Everybody's in a pit. Down in, in a hole. Pits. Down in a Star Trek hole. <laughs> Not Losing a wormhole. Fox soul. I want to fly on a starship. Hurry, Dr. McCoy urged 
as they ran back with the rescued scientists, leaving Kirk as rear guard. It said 107, right? Am I reading yeah. this? I'm yeah, you're right. Yeah. Okay. Because now, now Kirk's involved. Now, how did Kirk get here? I don't know, man. See, this is we got some we got some thoughts on these books. You it says I. right at the top from page sixty-seven, eighty-four, one hundred. That's where we came from. Was sixty-seven? Yeah, but so. we didn't. Oh well. I, I, yeah. Don't, don't, don't ask. ask why. Just read. Just read, dummy. Just um, read the book. <laughs> leaving Kirk as rear guard outside, we can be beamed up. The security man was helping each of the oh, day yeah. scientists who looked about them as if it was all a dream. It's been years, moaned the scientist in charge. It only seems that way, one of the young officers, Ensign Gottlieb, said. Actually, it's been about a day since the Enterprise received her distress call. A day? The man's mouth gaped open. Keep moving, McCoy urged. He looked at Spock, trotting along stoically next to him. What about Jim? We can't leave him like that, Spock. We received direct orders, Doctor. To blaze it with direct orders. That's Jim <laughs> Kirk back there. Rules don't apply to him. Yeah. First things first, Dr. McCoy. That is only logical. Blast you in your logic, McCoy said hesit- uh, heatedly. Do something, you green-blooded Vulcan. <laughs> None of these are insults. He's just saying a fact. I know. Um, it literally uh, is green-blooded, yeah. <laughs> rather, Dr. McCoy, you're persistent in uh, insults your persistent insults serve no purpose mccoy made a nasty sound a sound like this <laughs> um and turned the arm of a faltering scientist and took the arm sorry mr spock looked tense and as hard looking as any of them remembered ever seeing him Ooh. follow one response this is an interesting one Follow one response on page 114. Follow another response on page 115. Oh, so it's just, they don't, they're not going to tell you. It's just go to that page and that's what you get. Right. You have no idea. That's a different. So do we want to pick one response or another response? Hmm. That's almost lazy writing. (laughs) Yep, Amanda's inventing just, page numbers that don't exist. No. I suppose, or it's just giving you some mystery, like you. There's no thought in it; just randomly do it. It's a crapshoot, yeah. Which, in all honesty, that's a more, that's a lot more like real life, anyway. You're I like, guess I don't know. that's Let's true. Do. That's true. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Kirk, Amanda says Kirk is there because he is creepy and seems to appear everywhere. Yep, that's pretty exactly. Cool. Comes out of the shadows. Hey, hi, hello, everybody. Hey. Well, we got lots of uh, votes here. So we got one for, say, one, two for 115, three for 115. Ricky says another. So 115. Dice roll. (laughs) And 114. (laughs) Kim. 115 appears to be the uh, dominant winner here. That is the winner, winner, chicken dinner. So 115. I agree with Ricky. People getting people getting busted up in that mosh pit. That's right. <laughs> getting busted up. We won one fifteen. All right. Spock heard a faint cry from the side passage and flashed his light. He saw the staggering figure of his captain, arms out, feeling along the wall. Spock, Kirk yelled hoarsely. Is that you, Spock? Here, Captain, Spock said. He motioned for the others to keep moving and ran back to grab Kirk in his powerful arms. He has powerful arms. Nice. <laughs> Are Powered you, by green blood. 
That's right. Green blood preferred. Are you all right, Jim? He asked intently. Kurt grinned through the pain. What is that I hear in your voice, Spock? Spock was embarrassed at his burst of emotion, but he tried not to show it. An unwarranted display toward a superior officer. He apologized, but Kirk would have none of it. I'm glad to see you too, he grinned. I'm afraid I'm afraid I'm not too well right now, Spock. I'll help you, Captain. You always have, Kirk murmured. Aww. Page one twenty six. Little tender moment with friends. Captain Kirk stepped down from the transporter disc, rubbing his temples. He saw several of his officers waiting for him, anxiety on their faces, as he, and he forced a weak smile to his face. And what is this reception committee, Lieutenant Aunt Lieutenant Nakashima? The young officer looked nervous. Well, we, uh, we were worried about you. Kirk's smile widened. Really, Mr. Nak- Nakashima? Such a lack of faith. A lack of faith, exclaimed Ensign Gottlieb incredulously. Kirk nodded. That's why they pay me the big bucks, Ensign, to come through. Ensign Larrick spoke up. Sir, I cannot believe you are a Federation officer for the pay. Kirk smiled again. You're right, Mr. Lark. I don't do it for the pay. He looked at the young African medic. Mr. Mokdar, why, what do you think I do? Why do you think I do it? It, sir? Risk your life? Her smile was wide and brilliant. Because you love it, sir. Mr. Mokdar, you are far too perceptive. You'll make all of your commanders nervous. He stepped into his turbo lift and turned to face his officers. By the way, you all did well. I'm proud of you. The turbo lift doors slid shut and Narva Mokdar looked at Lieutenant Nakashima and grinned. Hey, that's not bad at all. That's what they pay us for. That's why they pay us the big bucks for it, Nakashima answered. The end. <laughs> mm. uh, always those I little don't know. bits of humor at the end. Uh, you know, I don't mind them sprinkling in a little humor at the end. That's kind of how Star Trek would end, especially the uh, the classic, the the original series. Yeah. But they're talking about the big bucks, and they don't even make money. No, I know. Money has been eradicated from their society. They don't even know what it is. That's like just the so old saying. Remo- <laughs> <sighs> well, I like how they throw in here all these <laughs> all these ensigns that we have no they they just get a little line to throw in here, you know. They keep uh, throwing in ensigns. Yeah, I know. I see like uh where was it? Well, Nakashima and well, I guess Mokhtar was was with us quite a bit, but still, Kim's not wrong. She's like, how come how come the page across to the right have creepy fingerprints on it? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Some it ghost does. Hand, some ghost fingers on that book. Ooh, yeah, uh, yeah. I agree with both of our viewers here. Amanda coming in. The book is kind of dumb. dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah. review it a little bit more. Yeah. So hey. let me try to wrap my head around this book. Yeah, Chekhov fell down a hole, and we went and go and we went and saved him. Yes, essentially. And then Kirk, and then Kirk got somehow separated and came out like, "I risked my life. It's great." I know, and they they kind of emphasize at the beginning injured? this this ancient, supposedly maybe extinct alien, but we never ran into either time. We never. I don't think we ran into any of the aliens, did we? We saw a rat. We saw a rat, but it was from another planet. So I don't know. I was like, I'm going to kill it. And Spock's like, don't do it. And they're all like, really? Why not? He's like, because I don't know. 
but we killed know. them on my planet. Al <laughs> feels cheated. <laughs> These Star Trek books. Listen, we said we were going to try something new. Maybe we, after this this last one, we got to do the other one one more time. Yeah. We go back to the Tucson Adventure books. Yeah. I Hey, it's good to mix it up. Yeah, I mix it up. Nothing wrong with that. So this one is a Which Way book. And they did several of these Which Way books for different IPs. And this one was, uh, look at that cover. See that dapper captain right there? We talked about this last time. Dapton. Dapton Dap- Kirk. Dapton Kirk. Those All are those right. great oil painting covers they did that, you know. Yeah, this is done by Boris. I know Al knows the first name. I can't remember his first. I can never, Valagio or something like that. Can't remember his name. He did a lot of Conan. Was he the Conan guy? Conan guy, yeah. Did a lot of Conan covers. So, very good. That's why it looks so good. Or do we we really rankle Al and just go, no, he did Star Trek covers. He just just did some, he did a few Conan covers. (laughs) There we go. Valagio. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, we we say he did Star Trek covers and then did a few Conan covers. Star Trek covers. That's what he did. And, and then did some weird barbarian crap on the side. Some <laughs> ripoff of He-Man. <laughs> oh, here we go. Amanda had uh, maybe so. Goosebumps next. Yeah, they did Ooh. Goosebumps. And Choose did Your Own Nightmare for... was one. Oh, we should do that all oh, for Halloween, Lee. Oh, I'll have to find one. Yeah. For Halloween. Halloween. All right. All right. Should I start this one off here? Yeah, go ahead. Let's get going on this one. All right. Oh, this is a good one here. You, you, not me, not Lee, you are a young Federation ensign who has shown a great deal of promise. Good job, you. You did a good job. Yeah, you're nine. You're you're progressing well. You're nine years old, but you're just doing great. You have a deep interest in science and medicine, as well as a love of action. I don't know what that means. I I don't. Yeah, what's that? And finally, science, medicine, and action. You're like, listen, I love three things. Science, medicine. Guess what the third thing is? Uh, I don't know. Like music. Action, dummy. Action. <laughs> I love action. <laughs> like, like, what do you mean? What kind of action? You just do this. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> this. You can't see me. <laughs> Watch these hands. Uh, <laughs> Watch my fingers. And finally, you've gotten your wish. You've been beamed aboard aboard the Enterprise in order to receive special training by the crew of the most famous starship in the fleet. You're terribly excited and nervous as you introduce yourself to Captain Kirk, Mr. Spock, and Dr. McCoy. The triad. The the son, the father, and the Holy Ghost Ghost. of Star Trek. (laughs) The captain smiles at you, trying to put you at ease. Starfleet Command must think a great deal of you, he says. You're nine, and I'm sure I speak for my fellow officers when I say we're shocked and very pleased to be part of your nine-year-old education. (laughs) I just hope I don't get in anyone's way, you answer modestly. I'm sure you'll be a great help around here, says Dr. McCoy. When you picture it being a nine-year-old kid, it seems instantly annoying. It does. You got like that annoying voice. Ooh. Ooh. Um. I'm sure you'll be a great help around here, says Dr. McCoy. I don't often agree with the good doctor, admits Mr. Spock, but in this case, I must concur. It's good to have you aboard. (laughs) You are enormously relieved with the warm reception you've received and a little suspicious. Mm -hmm. But now Kirk, I'm kidding. But now Kirk asks which one of the three of them you want to be assigned to first. 
whom shall you choose? Will it be Captain Kirk, Doctor uh, Captain Kirk, Mister Spock, or Doctor McCoy? Hmm. Now, if I we remember that, right, we had that same choice last time. We did. Uh, last time we read this book, if I remember right, we went with Doctor McCoy. Oh, I mean, I'm sorry. Same choice last book. Remember, we had the yes. It's kind of yes. funny. The, <laughs> yeah. But we went with McCoy last time, I think. Am I right? Uh, we did. Yes, we went with McCoy last time. So, so we have to take McCoy off of off the menu the here. Yep. I'm sorry, Carolyn and Amanda. We can't take it. We can't do it. We did that last time. So we got to pick somebody. That's to be Spock got, or Kirk. We got two votes for Spock. One vote uh, for Kirk. We got to mention Carolyn had an awesome saying. Which way sounds like Star Trek's dudes, where's my enterprise? (laughs) (laughs) That was hilarious. Good job, Carolyn. Dude, where's my enterprise? Someone's just getting funny now and saying skook. (laughs) Skook. And sprock. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Oh, man. Sprock and skook. Sprock Uh, and skook. That's like Proofrock and Schmidt, Sprock and Skook. Proofrock and Schmidt, bang! No, I uh, get it, Amanda. My phone's dumb, too. Well, that was actually so we good, got, though. Sprock and Spook. Skook. Sprock and Spook. Oh, Sprock. I'm taking a nap. <laughs> oh, All right, Brent. So Brent I is think... in the chat. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Chased after yeah. green aliens. No, you yep. can't. We can't trust him. It's Spock. I think Spock wins you by pretty much only by only one vote for Kirk. So there we oh, go. Oh man, Kirk is just getting I know. delayed. All right, so twelve. Twelve it is. All right. Mr. Spock shows no emotion at your choice. The captain and Dr. McCoy wish you luck and hurry off to take care of their duties. Meanwhile, the science officer merely nods and says, Follow me. We'll begin with a tour of the ship. You hurry after the Vulcan, but you haven't gone far before an explosion suddenly rocks the ship, sending you and Mr. Spock flying. Flying no where, time. you say? <laughs> Page 21. Aren't we already flying in a ship? That's true. Yeah, we already are flying, technically. Huh. <laughs> when you regain your balance, you see Mr. Spock reading his tricorder. Interesting, he says, raising an eyebrow. What is it, you ask? What have you found? There's no time to explain, says Spock. Call the bridge. Tell Captain Kirk that I have important information for him. Tell him that we'll meet him in the transporter room. You hurry down the hall to the intercom system, but that's when you discover that the communication system within the ship has been knocked out. Uh Uh-oh. Out. Who hit it on the head? Why is it knocked out? (laughs) It's sleeping. It's tired. Yeah, it's it's nap time. (laughs) When you tell Mr. Spock that you can't reach the bridge, he immediately starts running toward the transporter room. What's going on? He just turns around, yeah. Knife hands. Yep, knife hands. What's going on, you call out to the Vulcan as you race to catch up to him. A logical question, he replies over his shoulder. According to my readings, there's an invisible ship out there. You mean we're under attack? Possibly, says a science officer, but my readings aren't exact. I could be picking up I could be picking up an illusion. If that ship exists, though, one of us must beam aboard it and try to communicate with their crew. But if your readings are wrong and one of us beams outside the Enterprise, 
It will mean instant death, he says, finishing your thought. When you finally reach the transporter room, you must make a life or death decision. Should you volunteer to beam outside the ship, or should you let the more experienced Spock do the job while you man the transport controllers? Okay. If you volunteer to beam outside the ship, turn to page 30. If you think it's wiser for Spock to beam outside, turn to page 37. There we go. Ricky, without even waiting for us to finish, she said, volunteer, you get out there. You get out there, nine-year-old. Nine-year-old you. Send Spock out there in danger. What are you doing? Yeah. Come on. What did you do that for? I thought you were a professional nine-year-old. So... So Ricky says, volunteer yourself. Al says, beam outside. Beaming outside the ship never killed anyone. <laughs> There's that. Well. Amanda's saying, uh, send Spock. Spock outside. She's like, you yeah. kill that guy. Uh, Carolyn says, volunteer. I'll be tribute. Look at her inv- invoking some Hunger Games. I'm a little hungry now that I say that. Uh, hmm. Hunger. Eddie's hmm. hunger. <laughs> I don't want to be responsible for killing Spock. <laughs> Ricky. Right? Leave that up to leave that up to Spock himself when he's like, I'm gonna go inside the nuclear reactor myself. So Spock goes, we're gonna leave a nine year old running the control panel. Makes sense. I think this is a classic case of a lose lose here. Like <laughs> <laughs> this is let's see. So we're going to we're gonna be the ones to go out there. Is that correct? That, yes. That looks yeah, because we got one for Spock, but everybody else is you you volunteer. So that's page thirty. Here we go. So send Mr. a nine year old out there. Send the, get that kid out there. He's come on. The spacesuit's not even big enough for you. You bother me, kid. Get out there. Get him out of here. Mr. Spock, you call out. The Enterprise needs you. I'm just an ensign and therefore very expendable. Let me be. Where's my red, my red shirt? shirt. <laughs> I packed my own. Um, let me be the one who gets beamed outside. I can't let you do that, says Spock. You're my responsibility. But it's more logical. It's oh, but it's more logical. Ooh, Ooh. for me to go. You reply with a sly smile. After all, I'm here to learn, and the best way to learn isn't by watching; it's by doing. Am I right? Am I right? Uh, Yeah. Am I right? (laughs) Spock backhands you for being smart (laughs) mouth. Stop it! Shut up, kid. I can't fault your reasoning, he says reluctantly. All right. Get up on the transporter. You do as Spock orders, and then you watch him hit the controls. Turn into page 45. Bear with me. The transporter converts your body, your nine-year-old body, into enter into nine-year-old energy and sends it into space. When you resemble reassemble into your human form again, you find a hand sticking out of your chest. <laughs> Where you have I gone? Yourself standing. Oh no, you put me together wrong. <laughs> you find yourself standing on what appears to be the bridge of the Enterprise. Captain Kirk, Sulu, Chekhov, and the rest of the officers on the bridge turn to stare at you. These aliens must be from some sort of mirror universe. See, they're just taking it from every episode. Ooh, yeah. Uh, you think to yourself listen you shout you've got to stop attacking the Enterprise we mean you no harm Captain Kirk shakes his head sadly it didn't take long for our young ensign to crack did it what a shame take him down to sickbay he orders a security team 
The last thing you hear as you're carried off the bridge is Sulu telling Kirk, that strange force field is still out there, Captain. That's when you realize that you are on the real Enterprise. You must have bounced off the force field and reassembled on the bridge. And Captain Kirk thinks you've gone crazy. Oh, this is okay. some like this is some Shutter Island level stuff. This here. is yeah. Page sixty. All you can do is cry as they start to lobotomize you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it got dark. Real quick. What's this all about? McCoy asks the head of security team when they drag you into sick bay. Looks like this young ensign couldn't stand the strain. <laughs> Mental illness wow. is not tolerated. <laughs> wow, yeah, you, you don't... better kill him then. <laughs> yeah, get <laughs> rid of him. him. <laughs> Looks like the young ensign couldn't stand the strain, says the head of the team. Is that true? Demands the doctor. <laughs> oh, God. Yes, I'm losing it all. I, I've lost my mind. Yep. I can't explain everything, you shout just a little bit wildly. You've just got to believe me. The fate of the Enterprise may hang in the balance. Dr. McCoy dismisses the guards. You tell him what happened, but when you're finished, he doesn't seem to buy it. If you don't believe me, ask Mr. Spock, you insist. Oh, I believe you, says McCoy, patting you on the shoulder. You just lie still now as he loads his gun. <laughs> Turns his phaser to kill. <laughs> Does he really mean that, or is he just humoring you so he can knock you out with a needle? That's a hard thing <laughs> to not knock somebody out with. You. <clears throat> if you think Dr. McCoy believes you, turn to page 71. If you think Dr. McCoy is just humoring you, turn to page 3. Huh. That did take an interesting turn. I know. Huh. So does he believe uh, Galaxy Quest vibes exactly? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's a great movie, by the way. It is. I've watched that for a long time. There's a documentary about the making of Galaxy Quest now. It's on Amazon. Oh, Check it out, okay. everybody. Yeah. So she's saying go to page three. She thinks he's just humoring us. Uh, Ricky says uh, he, he doesn't believe us. us. Yep. Uh, we have a uh, McCoy believes. Turn to page 71. So we are split. Oh, doesn't believe. Doesn't so believe. So we got yeah. two, vote, two votes for three. Brent has One no Brent says believe. McCoy has no sense of humor. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. So So he's not humoring. So believes. So, so it's two for believes. Let me see here. Believes believes doesn't believe doesn't believe humoring you. So we we're, we're split. Oh. Okay. Right? Am I reading yeah. that right? I think you are. Yeah, 2 2. One, two, three, four, two. Two, yeah, two, three. Yep. All right, all right. I think it's time right. to bust out right. the covert nerd coin. Heads, he believes us. Tails, he's just humoring us. He's just humoring. Heads, just trying to be nice. Us. Heads, ooh, he believes us. McCoy believes. I can believe in McCoy. Page seventy-one. Okay. It's yours, sir. Oh, so that is seventy-one. Thank goodness Dr. McCoy believes you. You close your eyes and sigh with relief. But then, an instant later, you feel the slight tick of a laser needle piercing you st your skin. You'll never know what happens next because you sleep right through it. Good night. The end. What? <laughs> wow. Oh, my gosh. That's how this book, that's how this one ends? He just put us to sleep. I, I, I mean, I don't think he killed us. He just, we took a nice long nap. That is... Ricky with the stupid stupid coin. coin. Stupid coin. 
<laughs> oh man so he gave us oh out. i gosh. was like yes <laughs> i think he euthanized us uh, yeah he's like a permanent that's, permanent that's a sleep. forever sleep <laughs> carolyn laughing yeah carolyn's just laughing i'm so, not gonna hold back here lee i think that these star trek books aren't that good <laughs> no they're I, I don't i can't put my finger on it but it's just maybe it, it seems disjointed a little bit <laughs> Right, right. They don't. The choices don't quite mesh sometimes. Yeah. Oh, Al going dark again. A nice long nap is what I told my kids happened to the dog. <laughs> no, been sleeping for the last three years. <laughs> oh. uh, Ricky says they are so to the point. Yeah. But if, I don't have the. I don't have that. Uh, that gift fired up here. You keep talking. I'll get that gift going. <laughs> Here's a, a reference. Brent says, and you wake up on the Botany Bay. Ah, he's a good oh, Star Trek fan. Oh, yeah. he is. Ah, there we go. That's how we ended up in the Botany Bay and ended up in Star Trek 2. <laughs> right? Uh, but yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, they seem just disjointed. This one, I think the really Way one seems a little bit better than the other one in my opinion. That's just it. I the maybe. which way the which way oh this the which way one seems the one better? we're doing now seems maybe a little bit less disjointed. I don't know. Yeah. Of course, the last time we did it, we had that weird hand thing going on. So I don't know. <laughs> Al, the Star Trek books suck. <laughs> right. There you go. Oh. There's a little rim sh- rim shot for everybody. Did you? Oh, well, you know, you got to try this stuff. You know what? If you don't try a new book every so often, it's not going to go the way, you you know, it's just fun to mix, mix it up a little bit. It is. I like to throw these in here every once in a while just to kind of see what the other guys were doing around that time. So that's all you got to do. Got to try something new every so often. Keep things fresh. (laughs) Ricky with a shrug. Yeah. Eh, So if you're Um, a nine year old Eddie, you would have like, eh. Yeah, of course. We didn't love any different. You probably love Star Trek, so it didn't matter. <laughs> I was such a Star Trek. I was I was eating anything of that was Star Trek. We yeah, need a Lenny Vernon Which Way book or Choose Your Own Adventure book. Oh, we might have That's to work on the that. new one for Al. Actually, uh, we might Lenny have to work Vernon, on that. That's a good idea. Choose Your Own Comic Adventure. Oh, yeah. Huh. Yeah. All right. Well, That'd be fun. We, we tried two Star Trek books this time two weeks we'll do it again who knows what we'll have then but we'll probably go back to the old books i don't know we'll see it's all good you never know it's all have, fun. We'll have some fun well it's, it's all fun no matter what thank you everybody go to youchoose.com if you want to try get in touch with us on social media or email us send us your ideas whatever tell your friends yep. tell your neighbor tell your cat i don't care Ooh. <laughs> hey keep pets entertained yeah uh, like and subscribe share uh let people know that you uh, about what we're doing and uh yeah then uh hey next time you can choose your own adventure. Your adventure all right thank you everybody catch you later take care all right good night bye. thank you for listening it means a lot that you took the time to hear what we have to say please go to youchoosepodcast.com for all the different ways you can connect with us and how you can be part of the live event And until next time, you choose the adventure.